Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we are your children. We desire to know the truth that sets free. Lord, let your Spirit guide us into all truth and give us the boldness to stand wherever we are, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are looking at the topic, the Christian and occupational corruption. First of all, when we say Christian, we mean anyone who has given his life and heart over to Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. It means that you have committed yourself to the process of obeying Jesus, imitating Jesus, until you are like Him. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Now, the emphasis here is once you are committed to Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, the Bible becomes the greatest document that forms your conscience, your conduct, and your lifestyle. And the indwelling Holy Spirit is your daily mentor. The second point I want to make right from the beginning is Matthew chapter 5. From verse 13 to 16, Jesus Christ declares that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says that salt which has lost its saltiness is good for nothing. Men throw it outside and trample it underfoot. The salt is to prevent corruption. So, Jesus assumes that anybody who claims to be a Christian is in society to prevent corruption. 
Now let's talk about corruption and then we can talk about occupational corruption. What is corruption? We say something is corrupt when it has moved from good to bad as far as morals and manners and conduct is concerned. That is the dictionary definition. Corruption means that things are not right. Things are not the way they should be. Things have moved downward for the worst. So, we normally look for the influences, things which have brought about the corruption. And we talk about bribery, that is money being used to influence you to leave your um, principles. Exodus chapter 23 verse 8 says you should not give a bribe because the bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and makes the righteous person twist his words. The same thing is repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 19. So, it could be bribery which corrupts you, the money. It could be just sexual favors. It could be political favors. It could be just peer pressure. But anything which causes you to fall from your moral principles and behavior of good to bad has corrupted you. That's corruption. I don't want us to go too far into this before I differentiate between bribery and extortion. In bribery, you are influenced to do what is wrong. In extortion, you are right. You deserve a certificate. You deserve a right of way. You, you, you are on your right course. But somebody is getting money from you in order to give you what is yours. That we call extortion. Now let's take a minute to look at occupational corruption. Occupational corruption has to do with a corruption from the occupation, the profession the vocation that you are in. Say you are a policeman and you find someone defying the traffic laws. When you arrest him, the person offers you money and uses that to have a right of way. 
then it's a corruption from your workplace. Let's say you are a lecturer at the university and a lady uses sex to make you give her more marks. The corruption is related to your occupation. And the list goes on. You are a politician. And because somebody is offering money to sponsor your political campaigns, you bow to the person's conscience and begin to do unseemly things. So, in general, we say corruption that is work-related is occupational corruption. It's related to your work, your profession, your vocation, your workplace, whatever you are doing for a living. And we separate it from just political corruption. Why do we have to talk about occupational corruption for the Christian? I have to argue from the side of our gainsayers. For many people, particularly in Africa, corruption is endemic. So you are like, well, everybody is doing it. I don't think I can do anything to change it. Let me also do it because everybody is doing it. The second argument is oh, most of our officials in Africa are underpaid. So you are even helping their cause. When you bribe them, you help them to look after their family and it's compassion. A third argument people use is, well, this thing is cultural. In fact, from childhood, we have all been trained with it. So, well, I don't see how I can go countercultural. Just leave me. And yet, another group says, oh, a little bribe won't harm anybody. It gets the work done fast. Let's just move ahead. And I always give my personal testimony of a few occasions when I had to pay a bribe or with extortion. I remember on one occasion I was coming from Senegal with my kids. My three kids were in school in Senegal and I was bringing them back from school to Mauritania where my wife was teaching at the university. Now, she had a letter as a lecturer at the university. We belonged to ECOWAS, which gave us a 90-day automatic visa in any ECOWAS country. And we had our passports. Everything was correct. And when we got to the immigration officer, he insisted that each of us should pay 5,000 sefa before he would stamp the passport. Of course, I resisted and refused. 
we stood in the sun hour after hour until my third daughter fainted. And when we rushed to help her, our uh, fourth daughter also fainted. It's a long story, but they collected their money before stamping passports. They could not be bothered. So, I have tasted what I'm talking about. So, let's go into it and ask ourselves, so what is wrong? If you are a Christian and you are at your workplace, you are in your profession, you are in your vocation, and there is corruption, uh, what do you do? Now, we need to examine the corruption carefully. Number one, it could be personal corruption. This means you as a Christian, you are corrupt as a character. Number two, it could be a corruption because of pressure from your boss. Your officials are pressurizing you to do what is against your conscience. Number three, it could be a corruption linked with the profession or vocation. All over the world, the research is showing that the most bribed profession is the police force. In fact, some countries confess that up to 50% of people interviewed have bribed a policeman within a year. Then the immigration. I mean, there are certain professions that are corruption prone. Number four will be let me say cultural corruption we see countries like Switzerland, Canada even though there is corruption Transparency International year after year lists them on top of the list of the least corrupt countries in the world then also we have some countries that are almost always at the bottom of the list and you are talking about Africa so endemic corruption makes it such that it is not only your your profession your vocation that tempts you you find out that you are beset with corruption everywhere you go. I want us to take the Bible on corruption and bribery. Probably the most infamous account of 
bribery and corruption in the Bible is Judas Iscariot. Judas sold Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver and he went to betray him with a kiss. He pocketed that money but Matthew chapter 27 tells us from verse 3 how he came back and said I betrayed innocent blood threw the money onto the temple floor and went back to hang himself. Then of course the bribery of the soldiers who were guarding Jesus' tomb in Matthew 28 they were bribed to say that the disciples of Jesus stole Jesus' body. And in Acts 24, verse 26, we are told of Felix, the governor Felix, who was expecting Paul to pay a bribe for his release. And because Paul refused for two years, Felix kept him in prison until he left office. Old Testament, we have the sons of Samuel. In fact, Israel protested in 1 Samuel chapter 8 from verse 1 to 3 that, look, we want a king because Samuel, your children are not walking in your ways. They are accepting bribes and they are corrupt. There is no justice. We want a king. But the Bible also boasts of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 12 from verse 1 all the way to verse 8 when Samuel who was judge of Israel for the whole of his life from his youth he stood before the nation and he asked them, Have I taken a bribe from any of you ever to corrupt me? If there is anybody like that, come out. And the whole nation said, You have never defrauded us or taken a bribe to pervert justice. Here is a man with clean hands. He was not influenced by money his whole lifetime before a whole nation as a judge. Look at Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, they could find no corruption, anything, financial mismanagement on Daniel until the king sought to set him up above all the other presidents and prefects. Look at Joseph. He was so clean that the whole wealth of Egypt was put in his hands. And Nehemiah, and you name them, stalwarts from the scripture who will not be influenced. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3 says, if you are going to get an elder for the church, make sure that he is not 
in any way a lover of money. And then in verse 8, the Bible says, In choosing even deacons for the church, they should not be given to dishonest gain. When they were outlining how judges should be selected, they clearly specified that it should not be anybody who can be moved or influenced or bought or sold for money. So, the scripture points out that we can live our lives free from the love of money. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, he says, Let your life be free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? When we take the matter of corruption from occupation, it looks like there is no corruption before your occupation. That is not true. Example practices. Can you imagine if the universities are corrupt and they pass medical doctors who don't who don't qualify, pilots who don't qualify, researchers who don't qualify who pass their exam papers because they are sexually attractive, etc. What do you think will happen? We can't trust our hospitals, we can't trust our pilots, we can't trust our engineers because there's corruption in the system. Now, let's look at the the occupational corruption a little more. Many times a young Christian graduate enters the workforce as an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, an architect, an engineer, and what have you. And in Ghana, we have national service where you give voluntary service to the nation for a year. But even without that, from the day you enter an office and you start your work, you begin to notice that there are certain things going on in the office which your Christian conscience for uh, documents are signed, you are introduced to faster ways of getting money. If you are a medical doctor, uh, an abortion can earn you much more and faster money than going the proper way 
you notice that if you are a contractor, if you give a 10% to those awarding the contract, you get more contracts, you get them faster, you can do shoddy business and nobody will inspect it. Then over invoicing, under invoicing, you notice that if you go to the ports to clear your goods, uh, uh, people are managing to pass by and the same thing you are importing comes into the country at a lower price by you because you want to stick to do what is right. Even the cost prices of what you are importing are so high that you can't meet the market price with it. And the list goes on. Today, the police have arrested you. You have to give them something. And the next day, there are people coming to see you at the office. They want favors. And you name it. What should you do? I want to advance five things to solve what the Christian has to do as far as preparation. Number one, conscience and conviction. You need to build a strong Christian conscience before you get out of school. Acts 23 verse 1, Paul says, I have lived in all good conscience before God till this day. Acts 24 16, he says, I strive for a conscience that is without offense before God and man. The Christian conscience and conviction, preparedness to die for what you know is right and preparedness to fight against what you know is unjust, is wrong, whether financially, socially, morally, whatever. If you don't build a good, strong conscience, before you enter the world of uh, professions and occupations, then you are going to be lost in the sea. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's rich food. This is a young man hundreds of miles away from home in Babylon, but he had a conviction that I will rather die than be influenced by the king's rich food. You need to work on your conscience and conviction and memorize the appropriate Bible verses and take your stand that is number one. You need that. Number two, working with prayer and fasting. 
James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives freely and he does not, you know, insult you for it. Therefore, it is good to build a heart which prays and fasts and seeks the face of God, the wisdom of God, whenever you come to a situation where it's a gray area, you are not sure whether this is good or bad, and you, you don't want to compromise your Christian conscience, then your weapon of prayer and fasting must be at hand. Number three, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. God has promised us his spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 14, from verse 15 all the way to 17, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father. He will give you another comforter just like me that the world cannot receive. The spirit of truth he is with you and he will be in you forever. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things I have said to you. And John chapter 16, verse 8, all the way to verse 13, he says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And have many things to say to you which you, you cannot bear now. When the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of Himself. Whatever He hears, that's what He will speak. He will show you things to come. You can be sure that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God's Spirit if he is the one behind your profession, then he will walk with you to the office and walk out each day. Therefore, if you are determined to live as a Christian, then you can be sure that you have a partner, a supernatural divine partner who is prepared to help you all through whenever there is a problem at your occupation when even when you don't know you cannot see ahead the spirit of god is able to teach you and to bring to your remembrance and alert you that hey be careful don't take this envelope don't touch this watch this conversation you see because he is with you he is in you and Ephesians 4.30 says don't grieve the Holy Spirit in whom you are sealed to the day of redemption number four please work on your friendship and company within 
your office, there will always be people whose consciences are alive. Make such people your friends. Team up with them. Partner with them. Now, even those who whose consciences are not as strong as yours, you can influence them. You can get them onto your side. I am reminded of a lady who was, after I finished preaching, she came and told me that, uh, Pastor, you know, I always pray that I should get out of my present occupation before Jesus comes. Of course, I was interested. I said, why? She says, as for that profession, you always sin. And I was curious. And she disclosed that they were working with an NGO. And the salaries sent by the NGO are very high. But the managers and leaders of the NGO they cut your salary to about one third and make you sign for that amount. And if you don't want, then you can go away. They will easily get another person to replace you. So all of them who sign know that that's not supposed to be their salary. They are being underpaid. But not only that, figures are inflated and a lot of things are done within the NGO to give a better impression to their bosses internationally than is going on. And so she prays every day that I don't want to be in this occupation until Jesus comes. Lord, help me to get out one day and when I'm out, then you can come. And we all laughed. But this is a situation. Therefore, if you want to stay safe, as a Christian, please look for people with conscience. People who will not be bought. They cannot be sold. They cannot be bribed. They cannot be corrupted in the office. And team up with them. Pray with them. Uh, study the Bible with them. Talk with them. And then you can become a team. That's what Daniel did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not the only Jews in Babylon. There were other Jews, but Daniel saw that he could build a team out of those guys. And they were so strong. By Daniel chapter 3, they were prepared to resist even up to Nebuchadnezzar and refuse to bow to his golden image. And they were prepared to be put in the fiery furnace for it. That's it. That's conscience now. Team up with the right people. Then, number five, Christian professionals. Christian professionals. If you are a pharmacist, you need to team up with other Christian pharmacists so that you can sandpaper your conscience because you belong to that team. You can set up local and international bodies 
if there is none, start one in your profession. Just start it. And you'll find out that you are getting people locally, nationally, internationally, who are interested in a Christian in that profession. A Christian policeman who does not want to accept bribes. A Christian army officer. A Christian accountant. A Christian research fellow. A Christian lecturer. And you will see that there are many, many, many other young Christians who have come out into a, in the different professions. They've just entered from the university. They want to find their feet. And if you get them, and you are able to train them, mentor them, build their conscience, you also become a pressure point. And with that, you can work on your occupation and then keep on. But that brings me to the last suggestion. Where the system is such that you cannot change it, then prayerfully get out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He says, Let him that stole steal no more, but find honest work with his hands, so that he may have in order to give to the poor. The Bible supports changing your profession, your occupation. If you see that you are involved, if you are an arm robber and you become a born again Christian, you need to leave that profession. You can't give an excuse that what will my wife and children, what will they eat? How can I close my house? Because of that, uh, no. You are selling alcohol. You become born again. Leave that. You know, if you are involved in a vocation, you are involved in a, a profession, you are involved in a workplace where corruption is the order of the day and you are not chained to that place. If you can change jobs, pray about it and prayerfully just go into another area which is cleaner, which will enable you to become more Christ-like, to fulfill God's call upon your life and become part of world evangelism. There are certain jobs when you are doing, it compromises your Christian testimony and gives negative testimony to all the people around. You see? And your personal lack of integrity destroys the Christian testimony you have. So, please, don't stay in an occupation, a job, a workplace where you know that you are compromising your conscience and you will go to hell as a result of that. Why don't you shake yourself, pray about it and move out? If you can change the place, change. If you can bring a team, exert pressure in order to bring change in the policies and the way things are done in your office, please do it. If you cannot, and the system is so corrupt that you see that, no, 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 every day you are compromising your conscience, why don't you get out? You see, you are working in a hospital, and administrators and the leadership insist that you must commit abortion, criminal abortion. What do you do? 
If you are going to earn your money with blood on your hands like that, do you want to stay there? That's left to you. But your Christian conscience should make you wake up. You see? If you have to prostitute in order to get money, and you are now born again as a Christian, should you continue in that profession? Whatever work you are doing must be clean. If you can't get a clean job, start one. Start a service. You see? Start serving people along your profession, your calling, the talents and abilities God has given you. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.